guys and get to worship the Lord this morning together with you. Uh, I want to welcome you this morning. A quick note I was thinking about this week. If you um, do not receive the weekly update uh, email from Faith Church and you would like to, just to stay in the loop about what's coming up and what's going on, on the back of your bulletin, there's something we call the Connect Card. If you want to fill that out with your name and email address and pop it in the back uh, Connect box back by the sound booth, we will get you on that email list so you will have all the updates in the future. Some of you may have noticed a little bit of a change this morning. Today, we inaugurated our first Sunday of Sunday morning prayer, um, which sounds kind of funny to me. I hope we're all praying on Sunday mornings. But um, we, this morning, we have started um, as a church body to gather before the actual service starts to pray to pray for God to move in the service, to pray for the people that um, the Lord is bringing to the service, to pray that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And some of that um, has resulted in some logistical changes. So some of you may have um, arrived early as you usually do and found out, oh, people are in here praying, that's different. Um, or some of you might have arrived a little later than usual and found, oh, the doors are closed and they're asking me to wait until 9.50. That's because we are serious about the power that happens when God's people pray. So prayer is kind of like fuel. And um, the thing that really gets me is that the Bible demonstrates that prayer, conversation with God, literally changes physical and spiritual realities. And so Faith Church does not want to forfeit anything any of heaven's purposes as a result of not walking in that fervent prayer, that authentic conversation with God as a local body of Christ. Um, and I know that transitions, even ones that God has ordained, can sometimes look and feel uh, a bit messy as we walk out what that's supposed to look like and what the Lord has for us in that. Um, but a, a scripture that we were talking about uh, as staff this week is Proverbs 14:4, and it says, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean but there's no oxen. It's nice and clean, but nothing's happening, right? But abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. And so we are willing to wade through uh, any bit of mess uh, in order to take hold of those abundant crops. We're excited about that. So from here on out, as, as Pastor Charles has said, church starts at 920. Service starts at 10 o'clock. We would welcome you to either or both um, as we go forward. All right, well, coming up, there's, there's several events uh, noted in your bulletin. Uh, you can take a look at those, but I want to draw your attention to several. Um, tonight, we have a fall feasts teaching. We are so excited about that. Tonight at 6 p.m. in the Worship Center, um, Deborah Thomas will be doing a teaching on the fall feasts of the Old Testament. We're coming into fall, so it's super appropriate. Deborah has been um, leading Old Testament Bible studies for years and is quite versed in the fall feasts. Um, so she'll be teaching about the history of the feasts, but most importantly, she'll be showing how all of them point to Jesus. So we'd love to have you join us for that tonight at 6 p.m. I am also slightly uh, hesitant, but also extremely excited to announce the Faith Women's <laughs> 80s Slumber Party coming up November 4th. We are bringing it back to the 80s with this totally 80s themed sleepover. We are so excited to pair um, uh, classic sleepover fun along with um, Christ-centered conversations and devotionals 
We will have everything, all the classic sleepover fun from costume contests to karaoke to games to snacks. We would love for you um, to be a part of that. Signups will start uh, later this week. You'll get an email about that. It's only $5 and uh, it will be a blast. We would love to have you there. Um, next and lastly, as far as announcements go, we have Abide, our next Abide. It's been a while. Our next Abide will be Monday, October 17th um, at my house. Uh, and for those of you that have not come, um, Abide is just a special time and place that we carve out to pursue God's presence and power. Um, it's, a, it's a space that we make room for um, to ask the Lord how he wants to move, um, to pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and just give him the agenda. Sunday mornings, um, we, we have an agenda, and of course we bring that to the Lord with open hands and um, try our best to let him move however he wants to move. Um, abide is a little less structured than that. We, we bring uh, the Lord songs, we praise him through music, um, we praise him through prayers for other people and just letting him move how he wants to move as we walk and surrender to him. That's it as far as events go, but I did want to share with you um, something the Lord put on my heart this morning. I asked him what he wanted, um, what he wanted Faith Church to know as his local body. And what I heard uh, was, I am enough. Meaning God is telling you, God is enough. He brought me to um, a passage in Job, Job 38, 33 through 36, which says, Do you know the ordinances of heaven? Can you establish their rule on the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of water may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, Here we are. Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? See, I think we get confused um, so often as we go about our lives. We, we think we have to accomplish what God would have us accomplish by our own power, our own strength, our own resolve. And this morning we're going to be talking about delegated authority, the way that the Lord does that with us. This thinking um, that we have to do it in our own power, we have to accomplish his purposes by our power, it, um, it spills out into how we view uh, our ability to partner with God in bringing his kingdom to earth. And um, somehow we understand God wants to partner with us, and yet we get confused in thinking it's by our strength and perhaps even our own devotion to him that his purposes must be accomplished. And, and that right there, thinking God's outcome depends on us, our goodness, our discipline, our power, that stops us in our tracks because when we consider partnering with him, we know, of course, that all of those things fall short, that we fall short, massively short. We alone are insufficient to accomplish anything for heaven. See, first we think too much of ourselves, and then we immediately think too little. But I believe God is saying to you this morning that he is enough. He is enough to handle every circumstance, every challenge that would rear its head against you today. But he's also enough to accomplish heaven's supernatural purposes through you if you're willing to agree with him, that he is, in fact, enough. So would you let him be enough for you this morning? Would you stand with me as we, as we bring that prayer to him? God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your presence here. I thank you that you are for us, Lord. God, we simply want to house your presence in this place this morning, that you yourself would fill this place from top to bottom 
that you would fill this house so much that it couldn't contain you, but that you would overflow out, out from the sanctuary into the streets, Lord, that your presence, God, that your presence would be enough for your cherished sons and daughters, Lord. God, I ask that we would encounter you this morning, that you would meet us here, fill us and send us there, Lord, and reap your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Are we ready to worship the Lord? All right, let's do that. This first song is called Do What You Want To. Can we all surrender to whatever God wants to do? All right, let's do it.
because he had something he wanted to do last week after we were done uh, with the service and it was beautiful so uh, letting him have his way um, how magnificent so this next song is gonna be new um, we've been holding on to this song for months literally and I kept saying there's got to be a time and there's got to be a place for this song and as I was walking last week it's like God said now's the time because as you look at the lion of the tribe of Judah, think about the jungle setting. Who has all authority in the jungle? It's the lion. Who has all authority in the spiritual realm? It's the lion, the one who came out of that grave. He is ruling and reigning. So hail, hail, lion of Judah. Jacob, great I am, King of angels, Son of man, voice of many waters, song of heaven's throne, louder than the thunder, make your glory known.
tried so hard to see it took me so long to believe it did you choose someone like me to carry your victory perfection could never it you give what we don't deserve it you take the broken things and you raise them to glory you are my champion giants fall when you stand undefeated every battle you
Then he led me to the gate, the gate facing east. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was coming from the east. And the sound of his coming was like the sound of many waters. And the earth shone with his glory. And the vision I saw was just like the vision I had seen when he came to destroy the city. And just like the vision I had seen by the Shabar Canal. And I fell on my face as the glory of the Lord entered the temple by the gate facing the east. The Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Father, I pray that this morning that the glory of the Lord would fill every temple in this place. Because we are now the temple of God. The Holy Spirit resides in us. Fill us with your glory. Fill us. with your glory. Speak to us through your word. I pray that everybody in here, Father, as your word is being taught, would hear something specific for you that's different from everybody else, but that you would speak to your children in that personal way that you have promised to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. Before we jump in a little bit, uh, or before we jump in into the message, I want to uh, tell you something else. We had our prayer this morning, so everybody who came to prayer, thank you. Um, and uh, starting this week, uh, there will be a couple people that will be walking around with badges like this. They'll be hung a little lower. I have my wife's here. Uh, with me right now, and those are your designated prayer people for the morning. So if there's anything that you want prayer for, um, you just find the people with this tag. Uh, this morning, Kristen Wiggins is wearing one, and Deborah Thomas is wearing one. Um, I, I'm, I'm not wearing one, but I'm technically wearing one, so anytime you need prayer, the same. Uh, you can come to me for prayer, but they'll be up here um, during uh, our singing, our time of singing and praise. And then they'll also be up here during the reflection time. So all I ask is that before you come up, if you're coming up to get prayer for anything, you just ask, you just say, God, who do you want to pray for me this morning? And see which one of the people he highlights um, to you. And they will always be announced uh, before the reflection time that this is who's on the ministry team this morning. Come and uh, listen, uh, you can go to them for prayer as well. Um, but we are continuing in our series in, on authority and walking like Jesus walked. And I've used this analogy for authority before, but I don't remember if it was on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night. So I'm just going to say it on a Sunday morning, and if you've heard it before, just nod and shake your head and laugh in the correct spots, all right? Um, so uh, the, um, coming into my neighborhood, uh, there's some people who drive too fast. It's not a lot of people in the neighborhood, but there's about five or six people in the neighborhood. We know their cars. They just drive too fast. Now, uh, this is something that would not work. Right now, because it's around Halloween, I could go uh, to a place I can go online, and I could buy a cop's uniform. I could. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the right it wouldn't be the right shades, it wouldn't look exactly right, but it would 
do well enough that if people saw me and they didn't know who I was, they might think, oh, there's a cop. I looked it up on eBay. You can buy a radar gun for about a new one for about $125. If you want a really fancy one, you're in the $300 range. You can buy a used one for like 60 bucks. So you could get a radar gun. And so I could be in my cop's outfit. I'd even buy a nice hat. And I could stand out in front of my front yard. And as people are coming, I can get them with the radar gun. And I do like cops do. I'd shoot them. And then I'd look down. And I'd be like, okay. Eh. And then ones that are too fast, I could put my hands up. And i say, pull over. And they might think that they should pull over because I'm in a cop's uniform. And I have a radar gun. And my uniform even has a badge. And then I also looked this up on eBay. You can buy a, a, a ticket. You can buy tickets that look like cop citations. You can, you can get those for like 25 bucks. You can even get like old official ones. I saw some from like Ohio you could get. So if they pulled over, I could go up to them and I could say, I'm, I'm writing you this ticket here. Let's show up at, you have to show up at court on this date. And if they think that I'm a cop, they might actually show up to court. Right? And if they showed up there, I could stand up there, I can get on the witness stand, and I could say they were speeding, so I gave them a ticket. And the judge would say, who do you work for? Do you work for Statesville PD? No. Do you work for the the sheriffs? No. State trooper? No. FBI? No. (laughs) CIA? No. No. They get out of my courtroom. Right? Why? Because I don't actually have the authority to give somebody a ticket. Right? Uh, if, if a regular cop were to pull someone over, and I might have some experience in this area, but if the cop was to pull someone over and they had the, 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 the lights, the sirens, the uniform, and they gave me a ticket, and the ticket said, hey, I'd like to hang out with you at court on this date, and I'd have to go. And then they go and they'd say, okay, officer, who do you work for? And mostly it's the state troopers that get me. And he'd say, I'm a state trooper. He'd say, okay, so this ticket has the power to be enforced. So why does he have the power to enforce it and not me? Does the power come just from his uniform, what he looks like? No. Does his power come from a badge? No, I can get one. From his radar gun? No. Told you we can get one of those. From his tickets, his citations? Nope. It comes because somebody above him has given him the authority to do what he's doing. And he has given him authority to enforce what he's doing. He has delegated authority. He has delegated authority. And in that case, as a fake policeman, I have no delegated authority. And so we're going to read in Matthew 10 and Luke 10 this morning. Before we jump there... We're going to recap last couple weeks. This is mine and Tony Evans' quote. If you weren't here the first week, me and Tony Evans wrote this. It means that he said the quote. I tweaked two or three words uh, to make it make more sense for us here. And so me and him wrote it together. Authority is the God-given right and responsibility delegated to believers to act on God's behalf in spiritually ruling over his creation under the lordship of Jesus. This was first given to Adam, we learned last week. It's first given to Adam in the garden, have dominion, subdue the earth, take it over. Adam fails. All right, and so this is now our right and responsibility. 
is from the book Authority by Charles Kraft. It says, authority is a personal right given by status, namely our status as children of God, as ambassadors, as partners of all those things that we've been over, or delegation to assert power in the human world or the spiritual realm. And this is mine. Authority is the believer's legal right to use the power of God to bring his kingdom on earth. And last week we learned that Jesus won, that Adam forfeited the authority. Somehow in the intervening time period, Satan gains authority, right? He goes, uh, he's called the, uh, Jesus calls him the prince of the world. He has, uh, he's called the ruler of the world. Um, He has a kingdom. And when he stands Jesus up on the mountain, uh, Mount Hermon, and he says, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Jesus doesn't deny that he has the right to give him those kingdoms. Satan has come into that authority. But then Jesus won. The cross is bigger. These are my last three points from last week. The cross is bigger than we can imagine. It's not just about salvation, though salvation is there, and it is good, and I am glad that he saves. But it's also about redeeming all of creation. Romans 8 says that the sons, uh, that, that all creation is longing for the sons of God to be revealed. All of creation. And he's defeating the powers of darkness and he reclaims Adam lost. And because he has authority, Satan can try and stop the kingdom from advancing, but he loses. He tries. And he tries. He'll use the media, not just news media. I'm talking all of anything that falls under the the umbrella of media. He uses movies. He uses TV shows. He uses music, right? Uh, Lucifer knows how to use music because he led music. He knows how to use it to corrupt. Right? He will use anything at his disposal. He will use schools. Right? Now, it hasn't really crept in here, but the battle of gender ideology and 72 different genders and me being whatever I want to be that day, it is largely coming from uh, the people that, are, that colleges are pushing out and then they are being, uh, I will say, they are being sent into elementary schools. And it hasn't really crept in here, but it will. It's already in half a dozen or half the states already. So he will use it to corrupt the young generation. And he will use politics. No matter what side of the aisle you are on, he will use it to corrupt. He will use it to create division. He will use it to stop the kingdom of God from advancing or to attempt to stop the kingdom of God from advancing. But he loses. He loses. We know the end of the story. We know who has all authority. Jesus has all authority. And if Jesus has all authority, then he can give authority to whomever he chooses. He can give authority to whomever he chooses. So I'm going to read. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 in Matthew chapter 10. And then I'm going to read verses 1 through 12 and 17 through 20 in Luke chapter 10. So if you would like to follow along, you can do so. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 10. And he called to 
him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. And I acquire no silver nor copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, nor nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff, for the laborer deserves his food. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. And after this, the Lord, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you Uh, You enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him, but if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to them, has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town, And they do not receive you. Go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. And the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, I saw Satan fall lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. This is Jesus delegating authority. So by the time we catch up with him, in Mark chapter 10, he has has performed miracles The disciples, uh, the 12 and all the other people following around with them, they have seen them, they have witnessed it, they have seen how he, they've seen how he's done it, they've seen how he's prayed, they've seen all of this. And so he calls the 12 together and the first thing he does is he gives them authority. He draws them, he, he pulls them together. I've given you authority. And he said, and then what has he given them authority to do? He said, go, he said, go and you have authority over every unclean spirit to cast them out. First time Jesus steps up to preach in a synagogue as he's, uh, as he's teaching up front, a demonized man stands up and he says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Have you come to destroy me before your time? And Jesus casts it out and the man sits down and he's quiet and everybody 
looks around in that place and they say, who is he that can cast out demons with a word? And he's now telling his 12, he's all, you have authority over unclean spirits. You can also heal every disease and affliction. So he then tells them, okay, this is what I've given you authority to do. I've given you authority over the unclean spirits. I've given you authority over disease and affliction. And then he tells them exactly what to do. And he says, go, and the first thing you do is you proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Before Jesus did any miracles, this was what he was doing. He would go and he would proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. It's now. It's in breaking. I am bringing it. So he is proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he tells them, heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. And cast out demons. Those five things that you're to do. And the thing is, they've seen him do these all before. They've seen him proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. They've seen him sick. Peter himself saw him heal his mother-in-law. They've seen him do that. Right before this passage in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus walks up to a funeral procession and a widow is there and she's weeping because her only son has passed and Jesus walks over and he raises the boy from the dead. He's cleansed the lepers. And he's cast out demons. He's done it all. And so a little bit later in the progression, Jesus then calls together 70 of his followers. And he gives them marching orders. Now, really quick, your version and the version that I put on screen say 72. I don't think it was 72. Other early manuscripts say that 70. So there's early manuscripts that say 70. There's early manuscripts that say 72. I think it's 70 because 70 is a, um, a very important number in the Bible. It is a number of wholeness and completion. There were 70 elders um, for Israel. Right? There was 70 years that they were in captivity in Babylon. When Daniel has his vision, uh, he sees 70 sevens. There are 70 sacrifices. There's all these uh, different Uh, Numbers that call together 70, and most importantly for me, there are 70 nations in the Tower of Babel, in the Table of Nations, right before the Tower of Babel, in Genesis chapter 10. There are 70 there, and so now he's sending 70 out. And he says these things. He says, go to the towns that I'm going to go in, right? He says, go to the towns that I'm going to go do some ministry in, and when you do it, go and heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom of God. So he says, when you pray for somebody and they are healed, you don't just say, aren't I, aren't I great? Aren't I awesome? Look what just happened to you. What does he say? He says, tell them that the kingdom of God has come near. Tell them that right now as you experience this, as you walked in this, you experienced the very power of the kingdom of God. And so when I'm remembering and I'm thinking, and if I pray for somebody and I see them healed, I'll try to remember to say, well, the kingdom of God came upon you. Well, it came near to you. It's, it's here with you. And the 70, 
And he gives them all sorts of other instructions. He says, don't take any money. Don't take two tunics. Go uh, proclaim peace to a house. If they receive you, let them receive you. If they don't, when you're leaving, knock the dust off your shoes and keep going. And they go and they do all of this. And the 70 return. And they don't say, Jesus, we healed all sorts of people because of you. They didn't say, we saw so many people repent and turn to you. No, they come back and they boast that and they rejoice that even the demons are subject to him in their name, in his name. All he had to do was say your name. And it worked. We've seen you do it. Now we did it by your name. And so he's delegated authority to those who follow him here. To proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. To proclaim that the kingdom comes near. And somebody might say, well, he was just doing this for the 12, or he was just doing this for the 70. If he never did it for the 70, then you can make a good argument that, oh, no, it was just for the apostles. It was just for them. It was just for the house of Israel. But he calls in all these 70 unnamed people. We don't know who any of them are except for one, right? And it's the man who replaces Judas, Matthias, because he's been there from the beginning. So we know he's there, but we don't know the others that, that are there. They're nameless. They're faceless. We don't have any idea. But they've been following Jesus. They've seen it. So that takes it away from just the apostles, just the 12, and takes it to all of his followers at the time. And Jesus, at the end, as Jesus, as he's leaving earth, he puts, the, uh, he puts the duty of the proclamation of the kingdom of God into the hands of his apostles, his followers, and ultimately the church. That, that's, the, that's what he's done at, at, the, at the verses we'll get to in just a second. It's what he does in Acts 1. He says, I've given it to you. Now you go everywhere with it. And before the Great Commission, he tells them to take everything that he commanded them to do and to teach others. He says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. And the modern church, especially the Western church, has made this, teach them all that I've commanded you, to just mean, hey, learn some facts about Jesus. Learn the stories, learn the facts. You can learn some fancy words like propitiation and hypostatic union, and, and you can learn all of these things. But what did he actually, he says, observe all that I've commanded you to do. What did he observe? All those people that are there. It's not just the 12, but all of these people gathered at the top of this mountain for Jesus to be ascended. What did he command them to do? Proclaim the kingdom of God, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. This is what he tells them to do. And he says, now you go teach everyone else to do that. And if you read through the book of Acts, this is exactly what they did. And so this verse right here means that if he commanded his first followers, he's also commanding me. Anything he says to them, he said to me. And if you don't believe that, then there's a lot of verses in, in the Gospels that don't apply to you anymore. Because he's just with his 12 when he says things like, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go 
to prepare a place for you. I'll come back and I'll receive you. And where I am, you will be also. He only says that to the 12 apostles. So if it's not for me, I'm out of luck, right? But everything he commands to them, he commands to me. We'll keep going. And so this isn't the only thing that he says to them. This is not the only power and authority that he gives to his followers. He gives some others in different places. And these get even a little bit, like if you're uncomfortable with those, like if you're like, oh, dude, does healing the sick still happen? Does raising the dead still happen? Man, these, these really might mess with you a little bit because he gives us even more spiritual control over the enemy. He says, truly I say to you, He's talking to a group of his followers. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For there are two or three are gathered in my name. There I am among them. Whatever you bind on earth, is bound in heaven. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. When you bind things on earth, they will be bound in heaven. When you loose them on earth, they will be loosed in heaven. And and I've heard, I've been in messages, and nobody really gives a good answer. What is binding? What are you binding? What are you loosing? Because we think of it with our 21st century mentality, the uh, the church tradition that we've been steeped in, All of that, that's what we think about. But to the first century Jew, binding and loosing is spiritual warfare language. Second temple literature, all of these, when they mention binding and loosing, it is authority over Satan. It is authority over demons. It is authority over all of that. If you want to listen about that, I can't get into it now. Look up the Naked Bible Podcast, episode 329. It's by a guy named Mike Heiser. And I'm going to warn you, if you like uh, uh, charismatic speakers who change inflection and make a real process of engaging you, Mike Heiser is going to be a little dry, but he gives a lot of good information. So if you can get by his, his monotone self, um, you can listen to it. But that, that's where you can find that. There's more. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. How did the Father send him? Empowered by the Spirit. At his baptism, the, dove, the Spirit comes on him like a dove. And even so I am sending you. So you're empowered as well. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you withhold forgiveness, forgiveness from any, It is withheld. I have a decent study Bible. It's the ESV study Bible. I like it. But man, anytime something uncomfortable or supernatural uh, comes in, they just, they fumble the ball. Uh, This passage, they say, well, this means that, that we preach the gospel and we preach that Jesus forgives sins and if they repent of their sins, then Jesus will forgive them. And that's true and that is real and we can do that but that's not what this passage says. 
It says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. I, I sit in counseling sessions with people and we repent and we walk through and they repent specifically for things that are going. And at the end, I tell them, your sins are forgiven. But then I always say, because the Bible says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So I, I, I take this and I apply it biblically, but I tell the person, God forgives you of your sins. And if he forgives you, you are forgiven. But I've never come to the place where I've said, oh, your sins aren't forgiven. You've confessed, but your sins aren't forgiven. I've never done that. But Jesus says, if you forgive people of their sins, they're forgiven. If you don't, they're not. That's an act of the Spirit. He gives them the Spirit and says, this is what you do with it. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are empowered. We have the authority to be his witness. We have the authority to be his witness. And how do we walk in it? I'll fully answer this in two weeks. So you'll have to come back in two weeks. But I want to show you how Peter does it. Peter, in, in Acts chapter 3, him and John are walking. They're going to go to the temple. And they're walking by the gate beautiful. And they see a man there. And they, he, he walks up to this man. And this man's asking for alms. And he says, and he looks down at him. And he says, look at me. I don't have money. I don't have, what you, I don't have what you want, but I actually have what you need. So in the name of Jesus Christ, take up your bed and walk. And what happens? The man goes and he shouts and he leaps. And later we see that he's clinging to them. He just can't stop hugging them. Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up, walk. In Acts chapter nine, he goes to Lydda and there's a paralyzed man there named Aeneas. And they, the, the, the followers of Jesus grab Peter and they say, you have to come pray for this man. He's paralyzed. And so Peter gets close to him and he says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. Imagine being paralyzed and the first thing you get is a chore. <laughs> Go make your bed. How does Peter know how to do this? How does Peter know what to say? How does Peter know how to pray? How does Peter know the authority that he has? How does Peter know? Because he saw Jesus do it. The paralytic is held, is lowered down in front of Jesus. And then Jesus uses the words. And he says, so that you know I have the authority to forgive sins, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. What does Peter say? The same thing. Rise. Get up. Walk. Rise. Make your bed. Peter learned from Jesus. In Acts chapter 9, they call Peter over because there's a young girl who's died. And he walks in, and the Bible tells us that he walks in, and he tells everybody, get out of the house. Get out of the house. We're just going to pray here. And he says that he goes up to it, and all he says, Tabitha, arise. And she 
comes back from the dead? How does she know how to do this? Because there's a young woman who's died. And Jesus walks into the house and he says, he says to him, he says, she's not dead, she's just asleep and they all laugh at him. And then what does he do? He sends everybody out of the house. It's like Peter does. Peter, everybody out. Jesus, everybody out. And he goes and all he does, taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talithia kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. Peter just does what he saw Jesus do. Like he's following this down to sending everybody out, to only taking a couple in, to sending them up. The people also gathered from towns and around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. This is what Jesus did in her, his earthly ministry, and all the crowd sought to touch him. Power had come out from him, and he healed them all. They saw what Jesus did, and then they did it. They used the same prayers. They used the same words. They used the same methods. I want to call up my wife right now. Richard, may I have your microphone, please, sir? Thank you. And she's going to tell you a couple things. Thanks for the intro. A couple things. <laughs> so um, some of you know that I had the privilege uh, and the honor of serving um, on a ministry team that uh, was in South Africa. Uh, I just got back on Tuesday. I had been there for two weeks. And this ministry team was headed up uh, by a pastor and speaker named Brian Blount out of Oklahoma City at Crestwood Vineyard Church. And um, Charles and I, I, I had seen uh, Brian on an interview uh, through a program called Remnant Radio. Um, Charles and I had been at a, a training that Brian happened to be one of the speakers at. <coughs> and I had just been really pleased with watching him minister the heart of the Father. And I wanted to learn um, how to do that. And so um, I, was, I was chosen to be on this ministry team of about, I want to say uh, somewhere between 8 and 11 people, depending on the day, um, in South Africa. Uh, we were in the areas of Johannesburg and Durban. Uh, Durban's on the coast. And first we were in Johannesburg, and um, Charles asked me to share um, just one of the testimonies of the dozens and dozens um, that I could share as far as what God did in South Africa and what he let me see um, and be a part of. So um, Brian is a very unassuming guy. Um, he's not flashy. Uh, I love that. Um, he is just a regular guy who has taken the Great Commission in its entirety seriously. Um, he is very passionate about um, taking the ministry of Jesus from the sanctuary to the streets, as he says, and um, putting Jesus on display with love and power as you go. Like we talked about in Matthew uh, 10, verse 7. It says, as you go, do all these things. So when Brian is just living his life at a restaurant, in an Uber, um, ordering food, doing laundry, as you go, he is very mindful about putting Jesus on display with love and power. And he looks specifically at just everyday life. He looks specifically for people who are currently in physical pain 
so that he can be a vessel in displaying Jesus' love to that person. So um, it's, I think it's literally the, our, my first full day in South Africa. We, we got there in the evening, went to sleep, woke up the next day, <coughs> and there's a mall. South Africa is, is beautiful, and you should all visit if you ever can. Um, but we're in a mall, and uh, because Brian bought a shirt, and it was too big for him. So he was going back to their equivalent of Belk in the mall, and the whole team went with him. And um, so we're just... I think we had uh, split up, and uh, there was a, a section of us that were with Brian and a group that had gone somewhere else, and I happened to be with Brian. We're just walking towards the big um, department store, and on our way walking there, there's like a little like pampering place in the mall for foot massage and, and that kind of thing, and um, there's these two uh, South African women handing out flyers as people walk by, and they see, I, th I want to say there was probably about four of us th at this point, we're walking by, and, and these women are handing out flyers, and, and they're saying, hey, would you, would you like, you know, any of these services, and, and Brian has an impression from the Lord, and he says, hey, hey, how are you doing? Um, actually, d do either of you have a pain in your left ankle? And they kind of look at him and go, yes, yes, come in, you can have a massage for your ankle, and he's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm asking do you, do either of you have pain in your left ankle? And they just kind of look at him. And a minute later, one of the girls goes, well, my left ankle hurts. It's super confused. And he said, well, I'd like to pray for you, and, and Jesus will take that pain away. And she's kind of like, okay. And so he simply puts his hand on her, and the pain leaves. And she looks at him, and she's like, what was that? And he does just like scripture tells us to do. He tells her that Jesus loves her, that he sees her, and that that was Jesus that took her pain. And then he keeps walking with his little bag to the store. And we're like, what? Okay, that just happened. So then we get to the store. Well, we get within eyesight of the store he's going to to return his shirt. There's other people milling about the mall. And, um, and he halfway looks back at the other three of us and goes, all right, I'm going to go return the shirt. You guys keep doing that. I'm like, doing what? Like healing people? Um, okay, right. And so we're just, we all just stand there together while he walks to the store. We're just standing there uh, cautiously looking around at a mall we've never been in at people we don't know. And, um, and then I, I believe the Holy Spirit brought to mind the parable of the talents where um, <laughs> these people in scripture are given these talents and they're expected to do something with them and when the master comes back the one that didn't do anything with the talent that he was given gets reprimanded and in my head I'm like oh lord please don't let Brian come back and get mad at me because I didn't pray for anybody I got to do something with this and so I see a security guard um, to my right there's two security guards actually and I grab one of the other uh, newbie team members with me and say hey let's go pray for this guy and so we go over and say hey how you doing he's like fine Again, they're native South Africans, and I say, hey, can I ask you, um, do you have any pain in your body? And he's like, uh, well, yeah, my back really hurts. And I said, well, we love to pray for people. Um, can we pray for you? And he said, well, no, I'm working right now. Because in their mind, so often prayer is this big, long, drawn-out thing with eyes closed, and you go into a back room and spend 20 minutes with the Lord. I said, well, you don't have to do anything. You can keep your eyes closed. I mean, you can keep your eyes open. You can keep doing your job. I'd just like um, to touch your shoulder if that's okay with you. And he's like, yeah, sure. And so I touch his shoulder, 
and I pray for him. I tell the pain to go in Jesus' name, and I step back and I say, check your back. And he checks it and he goes, it's better. And I say, okay, so it's better, but it's not all the way gone. And he goes, no. And I said, can I pray again? He said, yes. So I do the same thing. In Jesus' name, all pain go. I said, check your back. He goes, it's even better. And then he kind of looks back at, he kind of steps back and he looks at us and he sizes us up. He goes, are you magicians? (laughs) And I love that. Hearing that phrase was so encouraging because what that meant is that man didn't know what was happening. All he knows is there was a change. And I got the honor and the privilege of saying, no, sir, we are not magicians. That was Jesus Christ healing you. He loves you and he sees you. Thank you for letting us pray for you. And then Brian came back out of the store and we were like, yeah, so, so we prayed for a guy and the pain left. Okay, cool. And then we just kept doing the same thing. And it was incredible. Um, so that is one of many stories. Uh, several of you have asked to hear more. If you'd like to hear more um, this Saturday at our house at 6 o'clock, I would be happy to do a more of a recap. There's something about seeing it happen and seeing it done and then doing how you've seen it done. So if there's people who, uh, who have wanted to learn to pray for healing, I say just come listen to me when I pray for someone. Now, not everyone I pray for is healed. Right? I, I've never claimed that. I'll never claim that. I'll never say if you come to me, you'll be healed. I, I don't say that. But I've seen enough to pray with expectation and authority. And I'll just say, just listen to the way I do it and then do it however you hear me do it, but with your own personal spin on it, with your own personal touch on it. That this is the way that we do things. We teach through this way. Because like we've done with the, with the identity series, and then when we recapped the identity series a few weeks ago, you are a partner with God, that, that you go and, and he blesses you as you go, that you, uh, you do your part and he will do his part. He will back up your words with signs and wonders, Mark 16 says. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, we are partners with God, that, that, that God could come down and magically heal everybody, magically cast a demon out of everybody, magically have the whole world turn to him for salvation. But that's not the way he set things up. That's not the way he has chosen to operate. He has chosen to use the people of his church, the people who follow him, the people whom he has given authority to. You are a partner. Nothing's changed from the first century to today. So when we see Peter doing what Jesus did, it doesn't, we can do the same. Nothing in scripture says that stopped. But God wants to use his church. Doesn't have to. He wants to use his church to carry out his mission the way that Jesus carried out the mission. He wants us to, to take the baton And understand that because you are a follower of Jesus, because you have made him Lord and Savior, he's given you authority. You need to learn to walk in it. Well, how do I learn? We'll talk about that in two weeks. All right? And then next week, here's the appetizer for next week. Love drives authority. 
Jesus so loved the world. Jesus did not come to condemn the world. Jesus, every time he stood in front of a blind person, a crippled person, a lame person, someone who was demonized, he loved them. He looked at them because they were created in the image of God and he saw more than what the world saw. So when the two are blind and begging, son of David, have mercy on us. When they're begging, he doesn't, everybody else is telling them to be quiet. We're rebuking them. Shut up, don't say anything. Jesus goes over and he sees exactly who they are and he says, what do you want? He said, we want to see. And so he gives them their sight. Because he loved who they were, those two men on the side of the road. Love drives authority. Come next week. All of this being true, all of, this, all of you knowing this, all, or at least beginning to know it, beginning to understand it, at least having heard it taught, you have authority, but it's not about you. And it's not about me. So if I tell a story about uh, somebody being healed or being delivered or or anything. It's not about me. When Lauren's up here telling about the security guard that got healed, it's not about her. It's about Jesus. It's about his glory, his kingdom. It's about worshiping the Father, being empowered by the Spirit. The 70 returned with joy. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name, and I've never, never had a good feeling about Jesus' response here until a couple weeks ago, but I never had a good feeling because it seems so off, off topic. Jesus, all the demons are subject to us. And he says, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Cool. But the demons, did you hear us? The demons are, yeah, no, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He says, yes, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. And those are words for the demonic. If you notice, I'm wearing flip-flops this morning, right? I have the authority to tread on snakes and scorpions, uh, but apparently uh, not spiders. (laughs) I got bit by a spider a couple days ago, and my left foot is swollen, and it hurts to put it in a shoe. So if anybody wants to pray for me afterwards, I will accept prayer, right? But he has given us authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. But do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And I had crafted a nice theology around this. Well, Jesus sees lightning, he, saw, he sees Satan fall metaphorically lightning from heaven when the gospel is proclaimed by the 70 and the kingdom is proclaimed and people are healed. And Jesus sees this happen. And, and then I was reading something a couple weeks ago where I've, I've changed my view on that subject. Jesus is recounting a historical event. We all know Satan fell from heaven. So he's recounting a historical event, but that's not all he's doing here. He's giving his people a warning. Here's what he's saying, I think. Yes, the demons are subject to you because I gave you authority. But I saw pride overtake even the highest angel. 
he fell. Don't let that happen to you. There's a fine line between authority and pride. I have situations that I walk away from and I think, man, I did a great job there. Man, I said the right prayer. God gave me exactly, oh, aren't I so great? There's a fine line there. And he's telling them, pride will take down the highest, the best. Pride will take down the most empowered. He was the most powerful angel, him and Michael. It'll take down the most powerful. Don't let it happen to you. Yes, I've given you authority. Yes, you can trample on snakes and scorpions. Yes, nothing will harm you. But the real joy comes from the Father. It's like when he tells Abram to go, he says, go because go, I am your exceedingly great reward. The reward is the Father. The reward is that, (laughs) I love the way that Paul writes it. He says that you know God. And it's like he almost catches himself. And he says, rather, God knows you. That's the best thing. Is that if you're sitting here today, no matter where you are, no matter where you are, you don't believe, you haven't come to that saving faith, that saving knowledge, God knows you and he sees you and he wants to show you exactly who he is. And then for those of us who have, who have our joy still comes not from what he does through us, but because of who we are, because he's given us a spirit of adoption, because we are overcomers, because he has done it all for us. That's where we find our joy. That's why Jesus says, abide in me, and I am you, and I in you. Just like I abide in the Father, because apart from the Father, I can do nothing. Jesus says that. So what makes me think, what makes us think that we could do anything apart from the Father? We can't do anything. So we need to be part and parcel with the Father. We need to be connected to the Father. That's all next week. All right. Here's how we're closing. Jesus has given us his authority. So we continue his mission to reveal the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is doing in his mission. He's saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's full of healing and deliverance. It's full of people rising from the dead. It's full of the lepers being cleansed. It's full of all of these good things. It is the proclamation of Jesus as king. And if we have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had, and Romans tells us that the spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now dwells in us, we have the same spirit And if we've been given the same authority that Jesus was given, then we should expect to walk the same way Jesus walked. And you'll say, but Charles, you said you don't heal everybody. Jesus healed everybody. Jesus was given the spirit without measure. I was also given the spirit without measure. But you know what happens? I box it up sometimes with my sin, with my disobedience, with my unbelief, with all of these different things. We box it up. And it's those times that we can let God flow outside of our boxes, outside of our traditions where he works. And the one thing we can't forget, 
we'll talk about next week, the one thing that we cannot forget is that love drives authority. That love drives authority. This, look, this is who you are. This is not something theoretical. This is not something for only a select few of Christians. Only some people have authority and other people don't. Charles must have authority because he's on a stage. Charles, uh, other people, Brian Blount must have this authority because he didn't. No, this is the reality of who you are. Are you going to tap into it? Are you going to believe it? Are you going to walk in it? This is who the Bible says that you are. Here's what, I only have two questions for you to think about. Since Jesus has the power to delegate his authority to his followers, are you ready to walk in authority? Are you ready? Are you ready to step out? <laughs> like I say, like I've said over and over, it's very simple but it is very difficult. Authority is very simple to understand. It's easy, but it's difficult. And so you have to say, okay, God, I'm going to love God with all my heart, my soul, and my strength. And then I'm gonna love others the way that you have loved me. What does that look like? Are you ready to walk in it? And how can you be, I messed this up in my typing, how can you be on the right side of authority and not wander off into pride? Stay connected to the Father. Praise the Father, worship the Father, all that he has done. And we can't wander off into pride. Jesus saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It's a warning. It's telling us, don't do the same. Do exactly what I've told you to do. And nothing more and nothing less. That's why Jesus says, that's why Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. Stand with me, please. Put your hand on your chest and repeat after me. Only what God says about me is true. I align my identity with his words. I bear the image of God. I was created very good by him in his likeness. I am God's child. He is the best father. He loves me. He adopted me. He cares for me. And he protects me. I am a holy one. God has made me pure and righteous. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I am a friend of Jesus. I am more than a servant. 
Jesus speaks to me. Jesus never leaves me. I'm an overcomer. I am born of God. I have victory in Jesus. Jesus wins, so I win. I'm an ambassador. I represent Christ in this world. I can know what the Father is doing. I am a partner with God. God wants to use me. God wants to change things through me. He will back up my words with his power. God's love for me is full. He has given me a hope. He has given me an inheritance. His power is for me. My Lord sits at the right hand of God. I am seated with him. I have the power of heaven as I live on earth. Nothing separates me from his love. Satan is crushed under my feet. Shame has no place in me. I'm my beloved's, and he is mine. As we sing and worship, I ask God if there's anything that he wants to heal. And I know when I get things that I don't know exactly what they are, but I kind I, I know that's usually God. So if you have osteoarthritis, I'd like to pray for you. My wife said that she was praying. Uh, she thinks that God wants to heal someone with breast issues, possibly particularly the right side, but any issues there. And if you want prayer for anything else, you can come up here and you can do your work with God at the altar. If you come to the altar, that's you saying, I don't want anybody to pray for me. This one's just between me and God, and we will honor that. But if you want prayer, Kristen and Deborah will be in the front row. I'll be here. Ask God who you want, who he wants to pray for you this morning. Father, you are good. We worship you and you alone. And Father, we confess it is not about us. It is not about me. It is not about our church. It's not about anything but the kingdom of God. It's not about anything but the Father. It's not about anything but Jesus. It's not about anything but the Spirit. You and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.
Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your nearness. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he won it all for us, Father. I pray that you would make us available, that you would speak to us, that you would guide us, that all of these good things would flow from you. You are worthy of our praise. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to learn about the fall feast tonight at 6 o'clock, but you are dismissed.